What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, Mr. Levin T. Black. What's up, Levin? <laughs> Throwing the T in there. Is it Tiberius? Uh, no, that would be kind of cool, though. I'd probably go by Tiberius if that was my actual middle name. That is pretty sweet. No, it is Thomas. Oh, that's my son's name. Yeah, you could call me the goat. I could, but I won't. I noticed you titled yourself Nostradamus <laughs> for this pod, which is sickening. So let's just carry on. This is episode 31, by the way, of the Gold Standard Podcast, the Raheem Mostert edition of the show. Is that acceptable to you? Did I get a good 31 there? Yeah, he's a boiler. I was actually thinking Dante Hitner was going to be where you went. <laughs> so I was actually thrown off when you went there. But yeah, it's a boiler. So Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong if I go with the Purdue man. So there you go. Uh, a lot of stuff happening in the league right now. We've sort of been talking for weeks about like, get ready, buckle up. It's going to be crazy. Like that kind of started yesterday because the salary cap became official at $182.5 million, and like teams just started cutting people. I don't think I don't think we're any cl- anywhere close to being done either. Like I, I don't no. I think I would say that was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, like, and you were padding. That was all of the really easy decisions. Now we're all the hard you ones. Were pad- <laughs> keep walking on me, Rob. Just keep trying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to give you credit. You were patting yourself on the back on Twitter because you saw the writing on the wall early ahead of pretty much anybody else I know that said that this is what we're going to expect because teams are trying to get under the cap. All sorts of dudes were cut. Emmanuel Sanders were, was cut. I think that's a possibility for the Niners we're going to get into today. You got to let me go on a Sam Darnold rant because people keep talking about it. And the more people talk about it, the more upset I, I get. And I, I let loose with like a a stream of hate on Twitter that I just needed to get out because I, I do not want Sam Darnold as part of this football team. So we're going to do that. Trent Williams possibly returning seems to be inching closer to the goal line. And we know that because Trent Williams himself kind of said that. So we're going to get into that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, Let's start with the Sam Darnold. It's the quarterback news. It's the sexiest thing. I I want no part of it, Levin. I want no part of it. And I don't know why people keep throwing his name out there as somebody that would be attractive to other teams. I don't get it. What is that based on other than the fact that he was a first-round pick a few years ago? I am on board with Sam Darnold. I'm not under the delusion that I think, well, we get Sam Darnold and we got a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I think he, I look at it this way. I think Sam Darnold, with the benefit of a massive upgrade of uh, pieces to play with, because I don't think there's any argument to be made for any other team other than the Jets for the worst possible supporting cast on offense for a quarterback. And I don't even think it's close. That's why there's no argument. He has a strong left tackle who was a rookie last year. That's it. Everybody else on, on that team is not even really starting quality, you know? And so that is going to bring things for him to a different level. And then you throw in Kyle Shanahan from Adam Gase and you get another benefit. Look, a lot of it is projection, so I can get why people don't see it or don't want to see it and would prefer other options. But I look at Sam Darnold this way. I think his low end is about where Jimmy Garoppolo is. I think his low end is an average starter with these pieces, with the benefit of having great supporting cast and great coaching. That is why Jimmy looks average. His high end, 
he still has really high high end. He still shows those abilities. He just has a lot of, if you want to say seeing ghosts, as he said it a couple of years ago, <laughs> he has some of those plays still, which maybe they never go away. And that's why I say that he would be a similar level to Jimmy. I think the difference between him and Jimmy, I don't think overall they play overly similar, but I think that they both are prone to having the couple plays a game where you're like, what the heck were you seeing? But the difference is Darnold makes spectacular plays, but might miss an easy one. Whereas Jimmy makes all the easy ones and is unwilling to pull the trigger on what would be a spectacular one going deep. I think Darnold is willing to pull, pull the trigger on a, deep risky pass more than Jimmy, but he's also going to miss some of the easier ones because Jimmy is good about getting through progressions quickly. I just, I think it's crazy to just say that everything bad about Sam Darnold was because of the jets and because of Adam Gase. Like I, I think that's ignoring too much of what we've seen. I just, if you didn't know that Sam Darnold was Sam Darnold and you just watched that guy and didn't know where he went to college and didn't know where he was picked in the draft, I don't think anybody would be throwing him out there as a possible Jimmy Garoppolo replacement. He's got the same problems as Jimmy, turnovers and health. He can't stay healthy. He's never played more than 13 games in a season. Jimmy Garoppolo's done that at least once. Sam Darnold hasn't. He has 46 turnovers in 38 career games. Jimmy Garoppolo, in case you're wondering, has 32 turnovers in 48 games. Like, I'm sorry. I don't see that as an upgrade at all. And like you said, at least with Jimmy, you feel like he can make most of the routine plays. With Sam, I don't know what the hell I'm getting. Like, And you got to give up draft picks to get this guy. And if he if he comes over and has like an okay type year, then you got to pick up his fifth year option or try to work out an extension. Like no part of that acquisition is good for me. And I just, I feel like people are just throwing him out there because it's a name and just saying, well, Kyle Shanahan will make him good. I look at it this way. Like I said, I truly believe Jim or Sam Darnold could come over and play at or very, very near to Jimmy Garoppolo's level. So I look at it, even if you're breaking even and you might look at a different quarterback in a year or two after the fifth year option, I would look at it as you're going to save 15, 16 million in cap space in a year where that is vitally important. That alone is worth a second round pick to me, as long as you are confident that he can perform to the level Jimmy does. And then you also get the roll of the dice that, yes, it really was Adam Gase in a horrible supporting cast, and he ends up being the true future. But if you want a cheap quarterback and you got to use a draft pick to get him, why not draft a quarterback in the second round? It'll be cheaper than Sam Darnold anyway. And to me, you've got the potential that he's actually good instead of this this bust in Sam Darnold. I think bust is pretty strong, for one. For two, there's a lot more film out there of Sam Darnold. So you can look at his NFL film and see that it stinks. I wouldn't say it stinks. I would say that he very rarely had somewhere to go with the ball and he forced it too often. And I made that point months ago on this show that I feel like Sam Darnold, due to his support and cast, felt like he was forced to try to make spectacular plays all the time because his team was so bad that the only chance they had of winning was him going off. And that meant he was going to be playing in a manner that he is pulling the trigger on a lot of risky passes and tight windows because he knows if he doesn't do it, they're not going to win. He was not somebody that had the 
ability to just throw it away and live for another drive because the team was going to go down and score anyways, the opponent. So (laughs) he had to make something happen. I think that is a lot of his turnovers, and I would be very interested to see. I'm not saying it's going to go away completely. I think he is probably a turnover-prone quarterback, but so is Jimmy, and he does make spectacular plays that Jimmy has never made. But let's get a quarterback that's not turnover-prone. Like I said this on Twitter, and I texted it to – Kyle and Akash, as we were just discussing yesterday's show for them, like I want the 49ers to go and get a quarterback that other teams would actually want on their team instead of always going to get the guy that somebody else doesn't want. Patriots got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers were there to scoop him up. Now, all of a sudden, the Jets don't want Sam Darnold. The 49ers are there to scoop him up. Like, no, go get a quarterback that other teams actually want. Win a quarterback competition, so to speak, and get that guy. That's what you have to do. No more of this bargain shopping for the most important position in pro sports. All right, I got a couple things on that. One, Jimmy's not really a guy that nobody wanted. Plenty of teams would have wanted him. We have said, you have said, that if they actually shopped him, meaning the Patriots, they would have been able to probably get a first-round pick for him. It was Bill Belichick doing a solid by Jimmy. But we also know, or or very likely know, that Bill Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy and get rid of Tom Brady. And it was the owner who stepped in with Tom pulling his weight to make that stop. So I wouldn't say he was just, well, no, we don't want him. We're cast, we're, we're choosing Tom. It was they were forced to keep Tom. Well, I wouldn't necessarily put that in that category. The other point I would make is, yeah, I would prefer to draft. I would prefer one of these top quarterbacks in the draft. That would be my ideal. The problem is, if you wait for the draft and it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, you are up shit's creek. It's too late. Because if the Jets don't draft a quarterback, Sam Darnold won't be available. And if they do draft a quarterback, you could get Sam, but then everybody knows Sam is truly going to be coming and you might be able to get a bargain. You're probably going to have more of a bidding war because it is 100% clear the Jets have to trade him at that point if they go number two with a quarterback. I, 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 like I said, prefer the draft. I'm not going to be upset if they get Sam. I would be happy. I would probably be actually a decent bit excited if they don't and they go into the draft and the draft doesn't go the way they want and they're sitting at 12 and no quarterbacks there that they want and they don't take a quarterback, that is what I have a problem with. Presumably then they would run it back with Jimmy, which I think at this point, honestly, I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Darnold. At least Jimmy knows the system. Um, But you mentioned, you know, if the draft doesn't go the way you want it to, well, that's on Lynch and Shanahan. Make it go the way you want it to. Make it. Trade up. Make sure you get that guy. Don't just sit at 12 and with your fingers crossed, hoping, you know, oh, me, oh, my, please let us get a quarterback that falls to us. Let us get the, as we say in my household, the scartines of whatever is left at quarterback in the draft at number 12. No. Trade up. Move up. Be aggressive. And make sure you get the guy you want. Like, don't be passive. You got you to gotta be assertive here. You got to be aggressive. That's easy to sit here and say. Yes, I think most of the fan base would be fine with them trading up to get their guy. The problem is, is it's not Madden. You can't hit the pause button on the clock while you figure out what the best deal is. You are under the gun and the other team is under the gun of the draft pick and they likely have multiple teams calling them. Because if you're if you're calling about a quarterback, that means one of these top quarterbacks is still on the board. That means there's likely multiple teams who are interested. And when you only have a certain amount of time to make the deal, you can't sit and wait 
for the right offer. So the moment that team gets an offer they're satisfied with, they're probably going to pull the trigger and it might not be the Niners. That is the problem. Like you could be sitting and say somebody's still available at six and seven and you try to trade up. You might not be the first call they take. They might not have time to get to your call because they're not going to get an offer that they like, be willing to trade down and say, okay, I'll get back to you because they don't have the time for that. Everything you said is 100% accurate, but you know what? That's the business you've chosen. Like, that's your job. The good general managers find a way to get that done. Don't tell me it's too hard to do. Like, you know, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. Like, that's where I'm at with this. And maybe spoken like a man, maybe that's mean. But like, (laughs) that is where I am at at this point. I, I am tired of the excuses. This team has had quarterback questions basically since Steve Young retired. It, it's a weird scenario. They haven't been in the absolute horrible quarterback purgatory some teams have been in. They've had some kind of flashes with Jeff Garcia and Colin Kaepernick. And obviously 2019, Jimmy played well enough to get them to the Super Bowl. But like they haven't had the guy since Steve Young retired. And what was that, 1999, 2000? Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm just saying there's no guarantee. So if you are confident you can win a Super Bowl with Sam Darnold, you pull that trigger because that's guaranteed the moment you pull that trigger. If you go into the draft, you're not guaranteed. You can say, be aggressive. They might be be aggressive, and other teams just simply don't want Kyle to get the quarterback he wants. Like, <laughs> there is an aspect here of teams the having spike. a bias. Yes, teams <laughs> don't want, like, that's like Bill Belichick wanting to trade up for a, a dominant edge rusher or, or something for his defense. You, you might question yourself and say, hmm, would I rather let... Kyle Shanahan get the quarterback he wants or would I rather have this other team that doesn't have an offensive minded coach get that quarterback I'm gonna like there isn't that is an aspect to this it's not talked about a lot and I don't think it has a heavy weight but it does have a weight that teams might prefer to trade with another team because they don't want to let Kyle get the quarterback he wants yeah I think that's fair I think um I can't remember who it was was it Jane Slater no I can't remember who it was it was somebody on the NFL Network that said that it was the Seahawks and was it the Cowboys? Boy, I'm really butchering this story. I apologize. (laughs) But basically, there were two teams. Yes, it was the Seahawks and the Cowboys. And they had bad blood because the Cowboys were were having trade discussions and they couldn't agree. And then the Seahawks called about Alden Smith last year. And basically, the Cowboys were like, well, we don't like the Seahawks, so go pound sand. We don't care about your offer. So what you're saying is accurate. Like, Teams hold grudges, and there is bias there for sure. So you're not wrong about that. Um, You mentioned a little while ago about how Sam can make the spectacular plays and maybe some of the deeper plays down the field, and Jimmy doesn't, but he makes the more consistent plays. What, When it comes to a quarterback, just if you're drawing it up, what is your most important quality that you want? Because I feel like there's a lot of Niners fans right now that are like, we need a mobile guy. We need a mobility that's the kind of guy we need. Our offensive line struggles sometimes, so they're prioritizing that. What is your like criteria one, two, and three when you're thinking about an ideal quarterback? Accuracy is so far and above anything else. Accuracy matters more than anything else. And I'm not talking about, well, he can get it to the guy. There is a difference between getting it to the guy and hitting the guy in stride. And that is a huge factor in how good a team actually does on offense. And Look, I'm going to fall back into what I know, so I have to use this guy as the example, but Drew Brees is the example of that. 
He's a smaller guy. He did not have, never has had a massive arm. That has always been his weakness. He fell to the first pick in the second round 100% due to his size and the fact that he didn't have a crazy cannon for an arm. The thing is, he is the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL, and there's no really argument for anybody else. He has the highest completion percentage of anybody, and that is what he excelled at. The Super Bowl that they won, which I don't know if Niner fans remember. I obviously remember it. I was living in New Orleans at the time. I'm a huge Breeze fan. But they won because all they did was use his pinpoint accuracy to have Marquez Colston run an out route, and even though that the Colts knew it was coming, the Colts had faster, smaller DBs, and Breeze would just put it in a very high spot that only Colston could get to, and they did it over and over again. He was completing a whole bunch of short little passes, and that is what extreme accuracy gets you. It gets you a whole bunch of yak yards, and that is a thing in this system that is very important, speaking of Kyle Shanahan's system. So accuracy is far and above anything else, in my opinion. After that, the thing I would want to see most is the hardest thing to find out in in the draft, and that is work ethic. And I don't mean being in shape. I mean, is he in the film room? That is the, I would say, 100% difference between people who end up busting with great physical talent and people who don't. They study film. Every single great quarterback in the history of this league has been a student of the game. They are addicted to the film room. That is 100% across the board, I think, of any quarterback in the Hall of Fame. After that, when you get past that, which you can count that as a number two, I purposely, I purpose, or personally would. The problem is, is that's almost impossible to get a real answer and find out about. Because if you call the college coach and say, how much is he in the film room? They're going to go, oh, all the time. Because they want their guys <laughs> to get drafted high. Like, that's good for the college, you know. Hey, we had this guy get drafted top five overall. That's good for the college. So the coach is going to lie to you. But number three, I don't know if I would even go mobility. I would... Not mobility in the sense, can he run? I would go mobility in the sense of how well does he feel a pass rush? Meaning, how good can he move in that pocket? We talked about this last episode. I said Tom Brady is an extremely mobile quarterback. He's just not mobile in the way that people think of it. People think of mobility as being able to scramble and go on a 30-yard run. No, Tom Brady is the best there's ever been at moving in that pocket. There are times when his when the pass rush gets to him and almost any other quarterback would be sacked and Tom makes the sidestep or moves up in the pocket or moves back in the pocket, makes just the right move to make that pass rush go by him and avoid the sack and then delivers an accurate pass. That is a very underrated thing. And I think that is very important because quarterbacks who can't feel the rush get, get sacked. They get, they fumble the ball because they don't see the sack coming. All sorts of things happen when they can't feel pass rush. To me, mobility is like seat warmers in a car. It's awesome to have but I don't need it. And that's sort of my feeling on it to me. I mean, I I think you didn't mention this, but I think it sort of goes without saying health availability is obviously most important, but I I agree. Like that's an unknown factor. Yes. It's a, it's a given. Like you obviously need your, whoever your quarterback is to be able to play. Um, I think that I would agree accuracy number one. And uh, to be honest with you, that's another sort of issue. The 49ers have had, that was my biggest issue with Alex Smith. He could get the ball to people, but he could never get the ball placement where it needed to be in front of a guy in stride, the over the right shoulder at times, whatever the ball needed to be. He couldn't put it in that perfect spot. And as a result of that, he left so many yards in the field. And Kyle's whole offense is predicated on gaining those yards. And in order for that to happen, the ball has to be in the right spot. So I would put accuracy number one for sure. 
For me, number two is, and I don't really know how to phrase this, situational awareness. Are you aware of, okay, it's the two-minute drill. Do we need to get out of bounds? Are we telling other players they need to get out of the bounds? Or don't get out of bounds if the situation calls for it? How many plays can we get off in 30 seconds? We're driving down the field. We're down by three. What yard? Let me go to the kicker. What yard line do I need to get the ball to to confidently feel like we have a chance to win this kick? All those kind of things that coaches should be helping with, but some quarterbacks have it and some don't. And I thought Jimmy did. When he beat the Titans and there was that turning point, I don't know if you remember this, it was like turning point. It was all about Jimmy Garoppolo. And they showed him on the sidelines doing all those things I was talking about. That's when I got like really excited about him. I was like, maybe we got the guy. He still kind of has that. He just doesn't have the other kind of prerequisite skills for the position. Um, But that's number two for me. And then number three, like you said, from the neck up, what are you doing? Are you studying yourself? Are you studying the opponent? Are you working on your fundamentals every year? Like you, you, other quarterbacks talk about, Aaron Rodgers talks about, he works on his dropbacks. He works on just his throwing motion, his fundamentals every year. That's what the great ones do because everybody gets into bad habits at times and you need to, you need to rework yourself basically. You need to check yourself and make sure you're following the things you're supposed to be doing. And like Colin Kaepernick said, he never worked on his mechanics. He never worked on his footwork. Like when he said that, I was like, it showed. Yeah. Right. Like when he said that, I was like, okay, this is not the guy. This is not going to last long term. Like you need a guy that's willing to go back into the lab. And the 49ers haven't had that. So those would be my three for me. I, and I just feel like too many 49ers fans are just saying, get the mobile guy, get the mobile guy, because they're frustrated with what they've seen from Jimmy. Well, mobility hides a lot of things. I mean, Mike, I'm a big cat fan. I think he's still a starting caliber quarterback or at least was now he's been out of the league long enough to where you don't know but his ability to run hid the fact that he had terrible footwork and you saw that footwork when he was missing open guys like his short yardage accuracy was well below average I wouldn't say it was the worst in the league but it, it was in that conversation because his footwork was so bad. And on short yardage, you don't need the arm. You need the footwork to get you set correctly because short yardage is all about hitting the guy in stride. When you're doing a swing pass to the running back, you got to hit that just right so that the guy can still run or it's going to be worthless. And that was what Cap struggled with. The one thing I would say is notice how neither one of us said arm strength. That is the by far most overrated thing of, I would argue, any position in draft talk of any sport. Every single person who's talked about as a potential first-round quarterback has the arm strength needed to make all the throws. There are quarterbacks out there who don't, but we're talking about late-round guys. Nick Mullins, I think we all know, doesn't quite have the arm strength needed to hit the fastball to an out route that's 15 yards downfield. He just doesn't have that. It's not capable. But, like I said, Drew Brees has a below-average arm strength. He has below average. Even when he was coming in the league, his arm strength was below average. And he's got the most passing yards in NFL history. It doesn't matter. As long as they have enough to hit the out route 15 yards, which 90% of the quarterbacks coming into the league have, it doesn't matter. Yeah, to me, it's uh, are you tall enough to ride the bumper cars? As long as you're over the line, you're good. Yeah, And like you said, Nick Mullins, not over the line and doesn't have the extreme accuracy like drew Brees. which by where did drew Brees go to college again i don't know where huh i have to look that up uh anyway as long as you're tall enough to ride the bumper cars it's called cradle of quarterbacks that's where oh god <laughs> um 
you can do it. By the way, speaking of Nick Mullins, are you, did you see that it looks like the Niners are not going to bring Nick Mullins back next year? I was kind of surprised by that. I saw a report that he was brought back like days ago. Was that a fake report? I did not care enough to actually look. So <laughs> you got, you got, was that Adam Schufter? No, it was like, I clicked over and it was like an actual checkmark account. So that means that it's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And I mean, Josh Rosen, if you think he's actually going to make the team, which there's certainly no guarantee of that. Tyrod Taylor, he's a free agent, I think. So that quarterback room is super unsettled. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the number one question mark with the Niners. It is not the only question mark for the 49ers, however. And one of the biggest ones left is who's going to be blocking for that quarterback because there's a lot of uncertainty among the offensive line. And we got some good news when it comes to Trent Williams, the most important part of that O-line, and it came from Trent Williams himself. So we're going to get into that after the break. Also talk about Mike McGlinchey's future and whether Emmanuel Sanders could be back in the scarlet and gold in 2022. Welcome back to the Niners Nation Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, Niners Twitter is waiting for the Trent Williams news. And as we record this, 20 minutes before 9 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night, We don't have anything definitive on Trent Williams, but we do have something pretty good. And I say it's pretty good because it doesn't come from Twitter sources. It doesn't come from, you know, pseudo 49ers insiders. It comes from Trent Williams himself, who was on a podcast with Richard Sherman and Chris Collinsworth. And Richard Sherman was saying, hey, I think that Trent Williams is going to stick with San Francisco. It makes a lot of sense. He knows the system, blah, blah, blah. And Trent Williams replied, quote, that's not a bad take, fellas. That's not a bad take. Y'all barking up the right tree. Yeah, which makes it seem like, okay, he's definitely coming back. It's just a matter of what he ends up being paid. And that is a big question mark. Like, he is likely going to reset the market. I would say it's more likely than not that he resets the market, which we're looking at 23 million being the top uh, tackle paid right now in terms of average annual uh, value or salary or whatever you want to call it. So if he tops that, then he's going to be the highest paid. And I think that brings him back. And I think the Niners absolutely should. And if you're sitting here going, how can the Niners afford to pay him? Have you not learned anything? Like we have Parag. The NFL has all kinds of ways to, I wouldn't say circumvent, but mess and do magic with the salary cap. And David Lombardi, which I'm not the biggest of fans, but he did tweet (laughs) out something that breaks it down to show you exactly how it could break down and why it's easily doable. He tweeted out that if they want to make him the top paid person, they could give him a five-year, $118 million deal, which that would put him at 23.6 million per per year i believe and then you could give him a huge signing bonus which all that would do was guarantee that he's here for 2 years if you give him a 45 million dollar signing bonus which is what david lombardi uses as his example again these are his numbers that would make his first you would be able to make his first year cap hit only be uh just under 11 million dollars <sighs> Wow. And then it's $27 million after that, which is, yeah, that's a huge number. But after this year, the salary cap's going to jump quite a bit. There's talk that the new TV deals could literally be double the value that they currently were <laughs> in the past. That's going to make the cap go up huge if that happens. You can afford the $27 million. It's not easy, 
but you can afford it and not really be hampered elsewhere. And, you know, I saw somebody respond to him saying, yeah, but then when he's 37 million or 37 years old in the final year, you're paying a 37 year old left tackle, 27 million. It's like, okay, a couple things. One, you can get out of the deal by then. Yeah. Two, if he's still really good, 27 million won't be the top paid left tackle anymore. <laughs> if the salary cap jumps, like everybody's saying five years from now, the salary cap could quite literally be 300 million then the top left tackles are probably going to be pushing the mid thirties. So that would mean he's getting paid exactly what he should be getting paid. If he's still a pretty good left tackle, it would be like the Joe Staley deal. Joe Staley still had a big cap number in his final year and he wasn't dominant anymore, but it wasn't that crazy of it of a cap number anymore because the value had gone up for top left tackles. Like it's five years from now. I read something, I think, that said that they think that the TV deals could be so big that the salary cap could actually double five years from now, like increase every year and be double five years from now. So, yeah, like you said, that'd be perfectly easy to fit under the cap at that point. I did an interview with Ross Tucker earlier this week, and I asked him, is Trent Williams worth $20 million a year? And his reasoning for it didn't blow me out of the water. He basically made it sound like he only saw the Eagles game, which was one of Trent Williams' worst games. But he did make this point, which I wanted to ask you about. He said that part of what you're paying for with Kyle Shanahan is the ability to overcome not having the best left tackle in the league. Like you're paying to be able to maybe save a little in that area because Kyle's scheme is so good that your offense can still function. Is that fair to you? No, because you're paying Kyle because he's Kyle. Like, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, sorry, it doesn't make any sense to me. You're not paying Kyle so you can not have the best left tackle. You're paying Kyle because he can make a good offense out of crap. That much is true. <laughs> like, he could make the Niners average 30 points per game with Jimmy Garoppolo. Guess what? He did that in 2019. That's what you're paying Kyle for. And you're also paying him because if he ever gets a quarterback that is truly one of the best in the league, you're going to see historic numbers put up by the offense like the Atlanta Falcons did when they had Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, who Matt Ryan was. There's no argument, I think, for Matt Ryan being the best quarterback in the league at any one point. He was borderline top five the year he was MVP. He had a phenomenal year, got the MVP but that doesn't mean true talent-wise he was necessarily top five. I'd say he was right at that border for a couple of years. And yet Kyle Shanahan was able to have a record-setting offense and the MVP as a quarterback. That's what you're paying him for. You're not paying him so that you can have a crap offensive line. Nobody is going to do well with a crap offensive line. That is one of the most important factors. Like, it's quarterback and your offensive line. Those are the important factors. You can make do with crap wide receivers. You can make do with crap running backs. You've got to have the offensive line. You've got to have the quarterback. Speaking of crap offensive line, now it's time to talk <laughs> about Mike McGlinchey. No, I don't think that's fair, actually. I think Mike McGlinchey isn't as bad as people on 49ers Twitter and Grant Cohn think he is. He's not great, but I think he's okay. We found out on Wednesday that the fifth-year option for Mike McGlinchey will cost the 49ers $10.88 million. Uh, They haven't officially picked it up, but it seems like from what Lynch and Shannon have said that they are going to. Now that you know the price, Levin, are you in or out on McGlinchey? Begrudgingly in. Me too. (laughs) It's the best way to put it. Yeah, me too. Is he worth $10.88? Yeah, we just talked about 
how the going rate for tackles is 23 million. Now he's not one of the best ones, but on the open market, I would bet McGlinchey would be able to get probably 12, 13, 14 million. So you're getting below market and you're getting on a one-year deal where you're not having to lock in with guaranteed money and be on the hook if he's not as good as you think. You know what I mean? Like it's a one-year off deal. So you can take a little bit of risk when it comes to paying him a lot. Now, I've made no bones on this show. I was particularly harsh during the regular season. I'm not a huge Glinch fan. I think what he is bad at is more important than what he is good at. He is a dominant run-blocking tackle. Great. Cool. Problem is, he's so bad at pass-blocking that he kills drives because of a sack. That makes him overall not a very good tackle. Like I, I think he's average to below average as a tackle goes because of what he's bad at is so bad. Like he's not wrong in that he plays really well except for a couple plays. Like he we've made fun of that. But it's actually true. The problem is he's so bad at those couple plays that the quarterback gets lit up and there's a turnover or a sack that destroys a drive. Like it, it's so bad that it's unsustainable to me. But he's worth that kind of money. And I did throw out a scenario that you will hate, but I love on Twitter just today. Today All being right. Wednesday. Go ahead. I put it out there. Everybody's going gaga over the tackle prospect Slater because of what he put up at the combine. I put it out there that the Niners could trade for Sam Darnold, still have the 12th pick, use that on Slater. Slater was quoted as saying that he will ultimately play wherever a team wants him to play because he was specifically asked if he'd be willing to play guard. And he said yes. He affirmatively said yes, I would play guard. I would prefer tackle, but I would play guard. So I threw it out there. Get Sam Darnold, draft Slater, play him at guard, and then when Galenchi's fifth year option is over, you slide Slater over. You have his replacement right then and there. Yeah, you're right. I totally hate it. Like <laughs> you hate it because of Darnold. <laughs> well, I hate it because of Darnold, but I also hate it because if you want a tackle, draft a tackle. If you want a guard, draft a guard. Like you don't take a really good cook and say, hey, you're a really good cook. Can you farm? Like, no, just because it's related to what you do doesn't mean you you can do it well. I don't like that. I don't think you can just slide over any tackle to guard or any guard to tackle. Um, I could see taking a tackle at 12 if you don't bring Trent Williams back. Yeah, that, if, that, they, that, if they don't bring Trent Williams back, unless they can get somebody else out there in the free agency, which I don't think there is another left tackle out there with Robinson being franchised, they have to go tackle. Yeah. I mean, there I mean, there are some interesting guys that are on the market. Kevin Zeitler is a really good guard. Again, the money, I don't know what it would be. He just got cut. Like, there are some fascinating players that are going to be out there. This is really going to be a test of, like, Lynch and Shanahan's kind of recruiting in a way because I think the money is basically going to be fairly similar for a lot of these guys. So I think what's going to win them over is sort of their pitch. Um because if the Niners can can convince enough of these guys to come on over, they really could go anywhere in the draft. Like it, they could really have some options. It's if they can't convince anybody to come over, then they're sort of forced to draft for need, and that's when I think mistakes happen. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. I would say the track record is decent at being able to convince guys. I only say decent because while the Niners have made some big signings in free agency. They've done it because they've outbid everybody else. <laughs> Not necessarily because they convince people. Juice. No. True. McKinnon. Jet. Yeah. Uh, Richburg. 
I would argue, I don't think anybody was willing to pay. None of these have worked out. That That's why I said they need to stop <laughs> dipping into free agency so big. Like, pay guys not quite, you know what I mean? Like, get more guys at lower rates than one guy. But uh, Quan, Quan's the yeah. other one. Like, none of these have worked out. You have literally, all of those became the top paid people at their position when they signed. Richburg, I guess I'm not 100% on that. I can't remember if he was the top paid center. I think he was, but Jet was the top paid running back. Juice was the top paid fullback, obviously. Still is. <laughs> Quan was the top, was the biggest contract ever given to a linebacker. Like, so I don't know how much they really recruited those guys, but they have made some splashes in free agency. Hey, I think we've seen from colleges across the country, Levin, money is a hell of a recruiting pitch. <laughs> I like how you said colleges. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing on the docket before we go, we mentioned it at the top of the show. Emmanuel Sanders has been cut by the Saints. He's a free agent. I don't know about you, but again, this is all assuming the money is is acceptable. I would love to see Emmanuel Sanders back with the 49ers, regardless of whether it's Jimmy or somebody else. I think he fits the system. He knows the system. I think he can help the other wide receivers in that wide receiver room. Like I would absolutely love it if if Kyle could convince Emmanuel Sanders to come back. It is a matter of money, like with many things. He signed a two-year, $24 million deal just last offseason to play for the Saints. They got out of that deal. They were willing to take a $4 million dead cap hit. Granted, the Saints are $53 million over the salary cap, so they kind of <laughs> have to do some things here. <laughs> but... It depends on what kind of market develops for him and what he wants at this point. He has already had, I think, multiple big deals. He's never quite broken the bank, but he's had multiple big deals. He's made plenty of money in his career. Is he going to prioritize winning and being in a locker room that he loved? That would be the Niners. Or is he going to just prioritize getting the top dollar? And even if he prioritizes getting the top dollar, I think there's a very logical argument to be made that he's not going to get it because – as we've said on this show, this COVID lower salary cap is going to mean that there are certain players, certain vets who can't get the deals that they normally would because teams don't have that middle tier money to spend. They will still pay to get the big top guys. They're not going to pay to get the middle guys because there's just not going to be money to go around. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be 34 when the season starts. I don't think he's a guy that's going to have a big market. I don't think he's a guy that teams are going to be willing to go out there and guarantee money, maybe even any. And I don't think he's a guy that's going to get more than a two or three year offer. Could he be signed by the Niners to say like a one year, $6 million deal? I think that probably would be likely, you know, I can't guarantee it, but I think that's probably about the market he's going to have. I would do that. I don't know if I would pay more than 6 million. Like, like I said, middle tier, you can't get caught up in $6 million. But this is the one point I would make that maybe some people on in Niners fandom won't like. I would rather pay a one-year or even two-year Emmanuel Sanders deal at $6 million a year than any amount of years for Kendrick Bourne at $5 yes. million. 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, you could probably pay Kendrick Bourne a million or two less per year. No interest. Emmanuel Sanders blows him out of the water. Kendrick Bourne is one of those guys. He's great to have when he's cheap because he can fill a lot of a lot of roles if somebody gets hurt, but he doesn't fill any of them well. Like he he's average to below average at filling in as a starter on the outside. 
That's not something you pay for. No, you can find the production that Kendrick Bourne would give you in the draft in the in the later rounds of the draft, or even from an unrestricted, I mean, undrafted free agent. I don't think Kendrick Bourne was drafted. So like, you, you're not going to pay the 5 million that it would take or whatever it would take to bring him back. I completely agree with you. Emmanuel Sanders, get it done. If nothing else, just for the narrative that the 49ers need to get back to the Super Bowl so that Emmanuel Sanders can catch a deep pass with a minute and 33 seconds left on the clock that wins the game for the 49ers. And then the revenge tour will officially be complete, right? I mean, they might be able to get Quan on the cheap too. And yeah, if they bring back Quan and Emmanuel Sanders, you have to call it revenge tour. Maybe spell it differently so everybody doesn't get injured. But <laughs> like, it has to be called the revenge tour if you do that. I think both those guys could not could be sitting out there a while and not get the market they are hoping for and could be guys that come back on a one-year deal for you know five, six million dollar range. I wouldn't be opposed. Quan, I, I don't know if I'd be willing to go all the way to six just because he's he wouldn't be as useful because you have Greenlaw and Warner. But there is a number where I would be open to bringing him back. The 49ers received a fifth round compensatory pick for losing Emmanuel Sanders, and it's possible that they could re-sign him this week, the same year they get the extra pick for him, which, by the way, the league released the compensatory picks yesterday and they screwed up. They initially gave the 49ers an extra third rounder this year, so they had to re-release the list and say, our bad. The Niners get one extra pick in the third round and one extra pick in the fifth round, but they will be getting some third rounders in the years to come because Robert Sala went to the Jets and Martin Mayhew went to the Washington football team. Can like the fans get a compensatory pick from the NFL for ruining our day when we all thought we were getting an extra third round pick? Like, give me a compensatory pick in the NFL <laughs> shop for up to thirty dollars or something. <laughs> right, and the thing was too when they when they announced it, they had the compensatory picks as back to back. So I looked at it, I was like, hey, the Niners yeah. have back to back third round picks. That's pretty sweet. And then I think it was Mayoko was like, well, I'm hearing that they're going to re release the list. So. Uh, they owe the 49ers something because John Gruden blatantly tampered with Richard Sherman. And I'm still stunned that the 49ers haven't gotten anything for that. If I was Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I would be on the phone with the NFL head office and Goodell like every single day because it was the most blatant tampering I've ever seen. You know, my favorite part of that whole extra compensatory pick were the uh, media members on Twitter who were very quick to tweet out saying, well, yes, the rules are this. So, of course, they get two back to back. And then like 30 minutes later, the NFL was, hold on, we made a mistake. And those people were seen as, yeah, see, you, you didn't know shit, And you were just throwing that out there so you could try to look smart. I'm not naming names. I think one of them has not even been deleted yet. But, yeah, I remember seeing some tweets, which is what made me believe it. I was like, that can't be possible. Well, hey, this is an actual NFL. And then like right next to it, I saw somebody saying, yes, they everybody thought that they were they were getting – uh, three first round picks or third round picks over the next three years, but no, they actually get two. It's like, uh huh, yeah, you totally threw that out there and ended up looking like a jackass half an hour later. Twitter is working on that whole "Are you sure you want to send this tweet?" feature. I think that would help <laughs> out a lot of people in Forty ers Twitter. Yeah, I, I, anytime I want to uh, retweet an article, like there's been times where I'm going to retweet an article that I've already read elsewhere and I see it on Twitter. And I'm like, oh yeah, this, this should, I should retweet this. And it'd be like, don't you want to read the article first? 
Like if you, they actually have that now as a feature. If you try to retweet an article that you actually haven't clicked the link through Twitter, they will ask you, don't you want to read this first? <laughs> Get out of my way, Twitter. Like, I don't have time to read. I have like, to this lead. isn't politics. Have that filter <laughs> on politics only. Thanks. Get out of my face. Oh, so this is it. This is the last show before free agency starts. If I have one big free agency prediction, it's that the 49ers are not going to make any moves on the first day, like when when they can, you know, legally tamper on Monday the 15th. The 49ers will not be involved in any transactions that day acquiring talent. I, I have two. I wouldn't necessarily call them bold, but one prediction I have is you're not going to know jack crap about what the Niners are doing until it becomes official. because. They don't say crap. They're like we talked off the air that the Niners are literally not having a press conference when the NFL recommended all teams have a press conference leading up to free agency. The Niners said no good work or no thanks. We're good. We don't need to tip our hand on anything. Leave us alone. <laughs> the second bold prediction is I might be too busy uh, deciding on what kind of floor I want to put in my house because on the 15th, I get my yearly bonus. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to, we're buying a car, you're getting a floor, what else are you getting? No, I'm not getting a car, I'm getting a floor put in my house, and then I'm paying off some uh, credit card debt that I accrued from selling my house in North Dakota uh, a year ago at a loss. Marble floor, heated floor, what kind of floor? <laughs> uh, you're probably a heated be... floor guy, aren't you? Nah, it's not worth it. Uh, heated floor, you have to have something that can afford can hold up to being heated over and over, which pretty much rules wood out of the, out of the picture. <laughs> um, but no, I'll get a waterproof laminate. Just having my first kid, having dogs, yeah, something waterproof but still comfortable and looks nice. Instead of like, I don't, I don't want to have young kids learning to walk on wood-looking tile. Like we thought about that, but we we're like, you know, that's really hard, and we're gonna have multiple kids probably crashing on this floor constantly. You are the waterproof laminate equivalent of a podcast host. What's that mean? Explain it to me. I you don't have time because the I show is ending. I knew you Rate, were just trying to make an insult without actually knowing what that meant. Review and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You get this show. You get all the shows. It's the perfect time to subscribe because we are going to have some fun stuff coming up. I said it before. I will say it again. It's like that line in Back to the Future. When Doc looks at Marty and says, When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious sh-. And even if you don't like listening to Rob, you should subscribe because we have podcasts every day of the week, so you can just skip his podcast. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't get to listen to me, but maybe in the future, with the tech, you know, always changing, we can create a filter that means you just don't hear Rob. Oh, shut up. Goodbye. <laughs>